0: These are crazy times. Everybody's apart and personally I miss squeezing people and physically seeing people. But our sponsors on post still give you loads of ways to stay connected. So for that I am very thankful. Freshly baked healthy banana bread instagram feels like a bit of a refuge these days and my giant collar that makes me look half toddler half priest there are a million things that i'm thankful for
1: today but what is my guest thankful for andrew scott nudged me to say that that leo was like to my left basically i was just like oh yeah hey like he's a human
0: Welcome to Thanks a Million, I'm Angela Scanlon and this is the show that takes a sneaky peek at my guest's gratitude list to find out the things that have shaped their lives. Today we are off to meet Fleabag star Sharon Clifford. I could chat to this woman for hours, she's absolutely fascinating. Now we spoke about her school days, about putting yourself out there, like properly out there and of course being part of the ginormous success that is Fleabag. Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt also get a bit of a mention. But before we get to Sharon and the rest of them, let's open the all mailbag. On Instagram, I have been using the hashtag ThanksAmillionTrio and just posting every few days with the three things that I am grateful for. And you have been getting in touch. And I'm so into it. Lisa Lamb, one, the sun, two, the bird symphony of song outside in the garden. Isn't it everywhere? I mean, the fact that the birds just seem to be having the time of their lives makes me quite happy. Three, Cadbury's roundies and tea. I don't know what a Cadbury's roundie is, but I'm open to trying said roundies. Shireen, love this. Mine would be one, being given time to think about what actually matters. Two, having the option of living in the countryside beside the mountains, nice. Three, noticing that bees hunt little flies. Do they know? And they're really good at it. My daughter's terrified of bees. And we have a book about fuzzy bees and she's mad for it. But when she sees a bee, it's like, ah, she screams, she runs inside. So we're trying to tell her that bees are actually lovely and that they just want to cuddle the flowers. I don't know if it's scientifically correct, but she's half buying it. Liz Beckett. One, my three cuddle machines. I'm presuming they're her little children. Two, the cows in the field behind my house. Three, seeing my brother from a two metre distance, even if the reason is a sad one. Lots of love. Octavia. Number one, this ongoing heavenly sunshine. It really does make a difference. I know people have talked about how it might be easier being in this corona business in the middle of winter because you don't feel like you're missing out on the delightful weather and the opportunity to be outside but I don't know I think it lifts the mood two queuing for under 15 minutes a Tesco felt like a win that is absolutely a win and where is your Tesco and three clean bed sheets this evening clean bedsheets lads the most decadent thing you'll ever ever experience and Laura, this is this is a special one, a clear mammogram and ultrasound. Two, medical staff who keep working, and three, every freaking thing since they told me I'm okay. Uh, that's amazing. I mean, you kind of obviously were consumed by by Corona and all news about it. You know, understandably. Actually, there's other things. She did write back afterwards, after I commented and said finding a lump in the midst of this is quite a frightening thing. I can only imagine, but that is amazing news, Laura. So, good. I hope you downed something strong. If you want to share yours, use the hashtag Thanks a Million Trier or just comment below my relevant posts on Instagram. And yeah, there can be anything, anything and everything. Here she is. It's Sharon Clifford.
1: How are you? I'm really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It looks calm. Do I? Yeah. Oh, that's good. No, I'm I'm flapping away underneath. Underneath flapping. Yes, yeah, like the rest of us, like everyone.
0: Um, let's talk about today. Yes. It's quite early. Where have you come from this morning? And what is the thing that you are thankful for
1: today? I came from um, my home. Mm location I shall not reveal (laughs) best Um, not today Mm -mm. but and actually so I've just moved into this place and I feel an enormous wealth of gratitude for that and it's um it's tiny but it's so cute and it's still a bit of mess with boxes everywhere and stuff but because I've been away a lot and I haven't been able to actually spend much time there nesting Mm. Finally, just had a few days there and just been getting things in order and been able to get up and have my morning routine, which i i haven 't had for over a month what 's your morning routine well i don 't like to be too prescriptive because then other people might be like oh that 's what that 's what you do that 's what you have um, to do There are little ingredients that yeah, so i 'll always always have a little check in with myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I might do that in bed, I might do that whilst I'm having some warm water, I might um, do that um, as a meditation, you know, so that's one of the ingredients. Mm -hmm. And And when you say check in with yourself, that's just like, hey girl. I just um, take a moment to notice how I'm feeling. So before I check my phone, before I engage with anyone or anything outside of myself I just do I do all sorts of scans so it might be well it will be all of these but like a physical scan Mm. an emotional scan and um like just notice yeah what's what's going on with me and I find like the more regularly I do that and I'm all about like consistency over doing this once a week for an hour. Yeah, okay. I think it's better if you do it, uh, t- have these tiny little moments throughout your day actually. And when you start doing that, you open up a dialogue with yourself. Um, that's quite profound to be honest. And mm. and you start learning things about yourself. You start noticing more subtle things Okay. and how, you know, your body is communicating with you, your emotions are communicating with you. So... Um, so that's what I do, but in a, not in a heavy way, it's just a really light 30 seconds. Sometimes I'll take longer over Mm. it and I move my body in some way. That's really important. Yeah. I always, I always have a a long old gaze outside. Oh, do you?
0: So what are you looking at? Are
1: you buildings or have you got greenery to look at or is there a... I'm very, very lucky to finally have my own garden, (gasps) which I haven't had since like I lived in... Um, my family home and it's tiny um, but what's amazing is where I was living before it had a huge garden and it was like a nature reserve okay there were so many different birds and there were foxes everywhere but I loved it my neighbors didn't but I was like look (laughs) at them go nature uh, in all its splendor um and there were you know the usual you know cats and those kind of those kind of folk but everyone seemed to kind of live in harmony okay. and it was really amazing and with this little garden I wasn't really inspect expecting very much um but since I've been doing my little morning gaze there are just as there's just as much activity oh, really? and I just find it so therapeutic just observing the flow of nature, I think, is so so helpful for mm. your mental health, yeah, and for just slowing down and gaining clarity and getting perspective actually on uh well just allows you to let go of the petty things that really really don't matter yeah. i'm doing that, and it actually it really really helps me to sort of calm and ground into my day mm-hmm. and you
0: do i mean I mentioned it before, but you do. There is a, a an air of calm about you, and I think people love that. <laughs> yeah, um, but a lot of people will, you know, associate you. The lines get so blurred. I imagine when you're an actor, they're like mm. you're cl-, like you're not Sharon, you're Claire from Fleabag, who's literally the opposite, maybe, mm. um, in many ways. And that kind of you know sh- sh- Just
1: bottle it and bury it. Yeah, as she suggests.
0: Mm. Yeah. And like quite highly strong. Yeah. Has y- your like calmness and your ability and your, your tapping into all of that allowed you to deal with, okay, outside of Claire from Fleabag, but the general
1: Fleabag hysteria? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, and, and not to say that I don't get caught up in that too. And, and I think it's a forever journey and I do have days, I assure you, that when I'm com- a complete like maniac. Um just like everyone else, you know. But um at the moment I don't know. I think I'm just really happy. Um and yeah, it has been Does being a global phenomenon help? (laughs) I am not a global phenomenon. Come on. There is there is something about being recognized for your work when you've worked for a long time, and I'm very grateful that this has happened later on in my career. Mm-hmm. I I still am astonished when I get recognised on the street and stuff. But, yeah, it always surprises me. I have this thing, and I think it's just a very human thing, that you sort of are amazed someone's remembered your face. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. When you, like, I can't really articulate it very well, but, yeah, it's still, it still surprises me. There's definitely, there's, there's something really exhilarating about being in something that you are wildly passionate about that other people have gotten behind. Mm -hmm. So that's been extraordinary. And yes, we have, with our tiny little show, been on this ridiculous ride Mm. um, of Fleabag. I don't know if we've even mentioned that we're talking about Fleabag. (laughs) Um, When the first series came out, um, that was actually more overwhelming, I think, than now why because that was like so completely new and unexpected okay and this second series i and i've talked to you about energy and feeling things mm-hmm. i could feel how ma- how massive this was i mean okay. when i read the scripts i thought they were when i read the first season's scripts i thought it was the best thing i'd ever read mm. And I told Phoebe in her trailer when she was freaking out on set that she would win a BAFTA. I just knew it. I could feel it. And the second series, when I read those scripts, I did just think they were astonishing. Mm-hmm. I was quite anxious this time last year before it was coming out because of the, I could feel like a physical pressure on my back. Then in you knew you had to brace yourself. Yeah. Okay. But as soon as it, sort of that damn burst and it and it was unleashed mm. she was unleashed into <laughs> the world it, it we have been then riding that it okay. hasn't been um overwhelming we haven't drowned in it there's an ease to that yeah, yeah. it's felt i don't know and i don't know if it's just because we've had each other's support and an amazing group of people around us look who look after the show. There's a magical power. Yeah, there's an energy to it that is like that's that's nothing to do with any of us, but also to do with all, all of us. us. Yeah, um, that's that's carried us from from that very first moment yeah. up until now, which felt much more. Grounded and rooted in something mm. really deep when we started the second one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, even, you know, Andrew Scott
0: obviously has been oh. a big deal for years. But it's like only now that people are going hot priest like he that is him. <laughs> I get him on it like and the subtlety in what however it was brought out. And I'm not an actress, so I don't know you know how to even articulate that. But like you see him, you understand him on a soul level, even though it's a character, obviously. But like I care
1: about him deeply. I know. I mean, I think he is so astonishing i have to take this opportunity to give a huge shout out to bill patterson as well because his performance is it very rarely yeah. gets a mention and he is extraordinary yeah. as our father it is that kind of fairy tale that like everything has just fallen into place yeah. and we've been wonderfully supported through that mm-hmm. and so it hasn't um it hasn't felt overwhelming or there have been scary moments Like the Emmys was a very overwhelming, scary moment, honestly. Um, And what, because, you know, you're here, this is, this is it. Well, it just, it was so, I'd never imagined myself in those environments, honestly, as an actor. That wasn't, you you know, people talk about um, having watched those award shows their whole life. And, and I just, I haven't. It was just, just amazing, like amazing. Mm. And with a,
0: a room full of, you know, globally recognized, adored humans who are yeah. presumably as excited. You know, there's quite a lot of famous, familiar faces who, who love the show as well, which must have been quite mental.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But then also, you know, what's funny is when you're in a room with people like that, So we went to this AFI, which is the American Film Institute, very, very kindly broke their own rules and gave us an award for excellence in television. (laughs) So we were in attendance with Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio. What was weirder was us gearing up to that event. Okay. Now, Leonardo DiCaprio is someone I've, you know, who's basically was on my wall when I was a teenager. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But the weirdest thing happened... When we were, um, we were doing press, we were on the red carpet and Andrew Scott nudged me to say that, that Leo was like to my left, basically. Right. And I looked up and I saw him and I was just like, oh yeah, hey. like he's a human. And so actually in a way, meeting all these people and humanizing them mm. has been far more grounding than like sending you into a tizzy. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was hilarious, and and meeting meeting Brad Pitt, who's a fan of the show, and and there's a hilarious picture of um, him and Phoebe at that event, which I ducked out of because I was so embarrassed, and you can see my like arm in the picture, and, um, and it's, I mean, it was hilarious. So what he's, like, fangirling you and Phoebe. Well, Phoebe, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What did he say? What did he say? Phoebe remembers it verbatim, but I... He said something about, now I get to be a fan... Oh, no, geek out about the show. Amazing. Surreal, but also... Calming to just yeah. go, oh, oh, okay. It's a okay, real life. It's, not, just, a it's, it's actually- not a different world. So it's actually a different world. So it's sort of shattered a lot of illusions. When I initially went to LA for the first time, like properly, was in early 2015. And I went there actually with that intention to just go and see what that city was like. Had a lot okay. of friends that were going out there. There was a lot of sort of misconception, mm. I, I would say, now in hindsight, about what it meant for an actor to go out to LA and uh, go and do a pilot season so what is the one that you should do you should conquer that or you should at least well I think if you have any every any inkling towards it whatsoever or if you have any negative um feelings about it or if it represents any kind of mystery to you I would just go and, Mm -hmm. and and don't even go to do a pilot season like you know don't put yourself through that horror but just friends who say it's just horrendous yeah well I have you know some people have an amazing experience some don't I had a terrible experience there but it it really it's you you can't say what it would be like for anyone else but just going to the city and seeing how you feel about it so that shattered some illusions Mm -hmm. um And it really sucked me in. I really fell for LA. Did you? Like, hard. And then had this really bad experience there during a pilot season, which sort of, like, the veil was lifted. Okay. And I saw that it was kind of... I saw the darkness underneath. And so what, let down or...? Oh, deeply, deeply disappointing, dark time in my life, yeah. But then... um, now, going back, it doesn't, is no illusion. Mm-hmm. And actually, that was, I experienced even more of that by seeing these people in the flesh. The thank fuck for this.
0: Oh, yeah. So the thing that you'd be lost without. Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Mm. Yeah, lol. <laughs> um, I mean,
1: yes, I'd, I, w- I'd ha- I wouldn't have a career without Phoebe. <laughs> I mean, I think um, you would, but it might be different. Yeah. Um, well, I don't know. I nearly, I walked, I was going to walk away from acting until... Were you? Yeah. So was, when was that? Well, when Fleabag was being, when the first, when she was developing the first uh, series, um, I was getting into producing, Um yeah, I didn't work as an actor for two years before that first, that first one. Okay. So what, you were kind um, of just done? I was done, yeah. I I mean, and and I had a, I remember having a conversation with Phoebe where she was like, but you have to do Fleabag, you have to do Fleabag. And I was like, but I was still convinced they wouldn't let me do it. I just wouldn't believe it, honestly, until we'd like wrapped on the whole thing. I just, And so what, was there question marks over whether you were... Um, This has recently been disputed, but I can assure the listener that um, there was a list of people with a profile for for Claire that Phoebe ignored and said, no, it has to be Sean. I've written the part for her. And then I um, went and did a gruelling audition. Um, I mean... Some people would say it was just a regular audition, but for me it was very painful.
0: Okay. And what, because this was now or never, or you were aware that there was a list of people who, you know, the money men would have preferred?
1: Yeah, well, I think, you know, with new writing, with any 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 kind of filmmaking, there's a level of risk. Mm-hmm. And um people get very, very anxious about uh investing their money in people or, I don't know, things that they're, they're unsure about. And Fleabag... Quite risk averse. Yeah. This, and this was just to make the pilot... In fact, no, this was just for a reading. Um, this wasn't even for the, for the real deal. Mm-hmm. So I had, at this point, this is like 2014, mm-hmm. Phoebe's had enormous success with the one-woman show at Edinburgh. She's brought it to the Soho Theatre in London. The two brothers have asked her, and um, and the BBC initially asked her actually to write a, like an eight to twelve minute teaser. Okay. And she just she she just wasn't into it. So she said, I'm going to write a thirty minute pilot. Nice. And they said, Okay, then we'll do a we'll do a reading and then we'll see if we'll we'll make the pilot. Let's let's see. And so that's when I auditioned. But at that point, I had been playing the character of Claire uh, as she appears in that lecture hall scene, more or less, yeah. um, for about seven years. Okay. And because she appeared in this sketch of Sisters that Phoebe yeah. wrote in 2000 and... Actually, that's not seven years, is it? I can't do maths. It was 2009. So this is five years. Okay. So I... would I'd played that scene actually with another actress initially for years at like producer showcases. And then eventually I did it with Phoebe mm-hmm. and, uh, and then she took that character and she, and she put it in Fleabag and she took actually that scene, but the character that she had been playing, she changed and obviously became Fleabag. Yeah. So that was, so to me, it was it wasn't insulting to audition for it. that's too strong a word, but it did just feel a bit but it was it was your character. it was something yeah i'd I'd worked on for a long time and and i was I was really just fatigued by the industry and constantly having to prove myself, which I'm still doing now, and it's still very as frustrating mm-hmm. if not even more now but the I went in and did a a self tape but you know, I was I was very lucky. I got to do a very long self-tape with... Okay. And the person operating the camera, I didn't realise, was one of our producers. I thought she was a casting assistant okay. who was just there to operate the camera, but she was actually one of our producers. It's Sarah. No, it's Lydia yeah. Hampson. Okay. okay. Who, um, yeah, she, she had really wanted to cast me as well. Okay. Um, I don't know if she'd been to any of our showcases or not at that stage. I've never asked her, actually, but... What was interesting is I think she got to see me and Phoebe, our dynamic, making the tape mm-hmm. as well as, so the, I think that As well was, as on screen. Yes. So okay. I think actually that was very valuable. Yeah. To be fair, when we then did the reading, they, um, Chris Sussman, who's our commissioning editor at the BBC, sort of came over to me and was like... I get it. I get it. And But even then, I didn't believe. So, yeah, it wasn't until we were all done dusted in 2016, so two years later, when we'd finally filmed the first series that I, I sort of believed. Mm-hmm.
0: The, thank you, next. So, the chapter in your life... Or the event or the, mm. you know, thing that you're like, cool. I'm very glad to to be far away from that. Yeah. I'm going to say school.
1: School? Ugh. Did you hate it? I had a terrible time at school. Oh, did you? In what way? Um, yeah, I really, really struggled to just feel like I belonged, I think. And I just think school can be such a vicious environment and I, I I, don't know what the alternative is but I feel like there is something that's maybe socially more kind yes. and I do know lots of people that had wonderful experiences at school but predominantly certainly in this industry maybe and maybe there's something in that yeah. um, people didn't and I just think uh, yeah that that period of my life was so so challenging and at the time, it seems endless, yeah. you know, you're so young and you haven't, I don't know, the passing of time is a very different thing when you're that age. Mm-hmm. And so you're, you've no choice, I
0: guess, you're a kid, you're in this thing at school, you can't make a decision to just yeah. not
1: go to school. Yeah. And it's that kind of thing Although sense. some people do, yeah. and then are then punished even more for it. Mm-hmm. And it's not, you know, I just, I think it's a system that that needs to be reexamined. And uh, I had this really weird thing. I've never told this story before, but I'll, I'll happily share this really weird story that basically, as far as my memory serves, I wasn't sporty until I was an adult. Okay. So I really, I love yoga. I love to run, uh, bouldering, like. Bouldering. Yeah, you know the climbing walls, yeah. stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so athletic, kind of naturally yeah. athletic. Yeah. And but according to my memory, it, that didn't start till I was an adult. And this really weird thing happened when um, I, uh, when my mum was selling our family home, and I was going through all like my old books and whatever, and uh, you know school reports and stuff from high school actually, where in PE and stuff. I would be getting like low marks and I wouldn't participate and okay. I would like honestly like fake notes, all of that stuff to get out of it. Okay. Um absolutely hated sports. And that's that's all I knew. And then I found this book which was called I think it was called our Friday book. Okay. Right. And it's something I had first school or middle school. Right which is what we had, we called it then. It's now like primary school, I guess. Mm-hmm. So I would write about my week on, on one page at the end of a week. And then one of my parents would write on the other side about... Your week. Yeah, like and how, how you do... And it's like a really sweet really So this was nothing to
0: do with school. This was just you guys well, at no, home. You'd,
1: you would, you'd write about like what you'd done at school okay. and how your week had gone. But it wasn't
0: to present to teachers or to bring um, in. This was no. just you guys at home.
1: Well, it was part, it was a school exercise. Okay. okay. And it was almost like journaling kind of. Yeah, I guess. Nice. Anyway, I found this entry, which was about sports day and about how I'd won every single event, except apart from one where I come second. And I was absolutely like, honestly, Devastant. completely. I, was, I took it to my mom and I said, is this, have I made, did I make this up? Was like, was I just like, there's this like five-year-old chance fantasy yeah. at sports day. And my mum, very like nonchalant, was just like, she was like, oh yeah, yeah, I remember that, blah, 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 blah. It sent me into such a spin because I have no recollection of it whatsoever. I was like, right, what happened? And I realised that my confidence was knocked so hard at the beginning of high school because a lot of the like bullies basically yeah. were very sporty. And, he, and you wanted to disassociate with them? And I found the report, which is from my, from year seven, my first year of high school. Right. And I'm an A student and I've, I mean, I genuinely don't remember this. But something happened where I just was like, right, I'm not. Not doing that anymore. I can't participate in that because I don't feel safe. Oh, my God. And I just think about that in terms of all aspects of a school environment, whether, you know, maybe those children that were bullying me didn't feel safe in an academic environment. And so they acted out. And it's. And and. This is the thing. It's all about feeling safe. Mm. I think you're so insecure as a teenager. That you're going through so many changes. physical changes, yeah. emotional changes, psychological tra- changes. You're dealing with personal stuff at home. There's all sorts going on. And you're also in this toxic environment, really, where you're being pitted against one another. Well, I was just going to say that competition, that sense of scarcity. There's only one popular yeah, girl. There's exactly. Only That was a real, um, a huge wake up call for me. And I realized that actually I'd always been that person, but I'd just forgotten. Mm. And I do think we all have the capacity to thrive in all those areas at school, but you just have to, it's about seeing someone's potential or using, being more creative actually with how we teach and adapting to individual rather than having this like one size fits all because I think we all approach things you know some people learn from audio I don't like I don't I I need the written word yeah I need to see it I. and then I can yeah which is obviously that's helpful that's why I would maybe have been considered academic because Mm -hmm. that's what I was given but I just think there's there's so much more and I know it's like an imper- impossible like herculean task how would you overhaul that system but yeah. that is certainly a period of my life that i'm i'm happy to <laughs> not not ever have to go through again to revisit yeah but
0: we potentially lost an olympian lol <laughs> well i could still be an archer <laughs> What is the gift that you are most thankful for? I mean, you can go really superficial
1: here if you like. So I was given a doll's house, when I think, when I was 10 or 11 years old. It was something my mother had um, saved, even then, more than she could afford. But she saved four years mm-hmm. to buy me this doll's house. I do try and sort of veer away from, um, I don't know... Uh, attaching too much sentimentality as an adult anyway to um physical things Do you know what I mean in terms of like moving away from consumerist uh ideals but this this magical doll's house uh was such a massive um symbol of love and um and my mum yeah like really stretched herself in order to like give it to me and it was something that a friend of mine had and I coveted and but they had a lot more money than us okay. and basically I received it on for a as a Christmas present and uh I walked past it all day I walked past the the wrapped box because it wasn't in like the front room with our tree okay. it was like in a different room Uh, which is where we would eat. And apparently I walked past it like all day and I just didn't notice it. And because we'd opened our stocking presents, um, which were always just, you know, very, very sweet, um, but small offerings. Again, another reason why school gave me such anxiety, like coming back and being reporting on Mm -hmm. what you'd received and that whole status game Mm. and just mortifying um when you don't have a lot of money and um and yeah so I walked past this box and I remember it got to about five o'clock and you know we'd eaten and we'd done all of that and my mum was like have you (laughs) are you not going to and I I was like what what are you talking about she said she said there's a there's something for you in in the back room and um and then I think I think someone went and got it. I don't remember. But I opened it. I mean, I did I cried. How old were you? I was 10 or 11. And I was so overwhelmed. I mean, it's like one of those YouTube videos mm. you see now where the, the unboxing. Yeah. <laughs> but like when you're so you're so overwhelmed with sort of gratitude and the sa- you know that a sacrifice has been made mm. somewhere along the lines in order to make that happen. Yeah. It was the best present ever. Yeah. I sort of still want to play with it now. <laughs> if I it was socially it. acceptable.
0: It's always acceptable.
1: The thanks that got away. My drama teacher, John Rust Andrews who maybe maybe someday I'll be lucky enough to get to thank in a speech mm. this dude cuz he he may or may not um hear this podcast oh he was just the most like wonderful kind teacher and he completely changed my life um he believed in me in a way that Phoebe believes in me mm. and he just he just saw my potential made me feel safe he let me Thrive. He, or he created an environment for me and others to thrive. There are so many people from my school who are actors or who are in this industry. In fact, Anthony Welsh, who's in the first series of Fleabag, was two years below me at my school.
0: Wait, so it's yeah. his teacher.
1: I mean, we'll credit him, but, you know, and I wasn't at like a school that specialised in drama at all. Yeah, I went okay. to a regular high school in Ealing. He really did change my life because... I So they did a production of Little Shop of Horrors at my school, mm. and I would have been 15, and they, um, they ran auditions, and I didn't, I didn't go. Because I always, weirdly, ended up in the school show, even though I never auditioned. Okay. I'd always get put in the chorus. It was right. a really weird thing that happened. Yeah. So when they put the list of names up of who'd been cast as what... They put you in. I'd be in the chorus, so I'd just I'd get to be in the show, but I never ever auditioned. It was super weird. Okay. So th- was this him going? No, because he he didn't even run like the shows then. So I don't. Okay. I it might have been. So my sister she would often audition and and she would like be a dancer um, in it. So I don't know if they just assumed because. We were sisters. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it was the universe. Maybe it was the universe. Willing you. When they did Caucasian Chalk Circle, I did just go and sit in, and I didn't ever left. <laughs> <laughs> I just went and I went. I just went and yeah. sat in rehearsals. Is that true? <laughs> I have only just remembered that. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. You're like, I'm just going to hang around until yeah. they put me in. Well, I just sat at the back, and no one ever, no one stopped me, so I was in it. Amazing. In fact, did I even do the show? I might have just done the rehearsals. I don't even, I don't know. It's commitment. Yeah. (laughs) I did the hard bit, but then, (laughs) who cares? None of the glory. It's all about the journey, guys. (laughs) Um, But no, they were doing Little Shop of Horrors, and I, I bottled it. I was too scared to audition, so I didn't. And then the next day. I regretted it so hard. And so I went to see Mr. Ostandrews and I rat-a-tatted on his door and I said, I said to myself, it's okay to tell this white lie, Sean." And then I looked at Mr. Ostandrews in the eye and I said, I got my times mixed up yesterday. Uh, I missed the audition. And he looked at me and with his eyes, he said, I know that you're lying, (laughs) Sean." But with his mouth, he said, okay, I'll put you through to the second round. Oh, we love Which was great, but also some of my friends didn't get through the first round, okay. so that was a bone of contention. <laughs> I bet it was. But then... So he knew. He knew I could sing. Mm. So anyway, and then we did... Um, well, he knew that I had this also, like, this secret life outside of school where I was doing lots of amateur dramatics and I had been doing it since I was a kid and then basically um I went and I auditioned and I did we had to sing the Little Shop of Horrors song the title song um in a room and there were probably 50 of us in the room and you everyone just had to stand up sing the first verse sit down okay. and I can without question say it was one of the most terrifying moments of my life I stood up And I sang the song and I shook so hard, I dropped the piece of paper. But my voice was steady because I was used to singing. And also, it was the first time anyone in that room, including some of my friends, had ever heard me sing. And I absolutely went for it. Nailed it. I went full Beyonce, pre-Beyonce. Did you? Yeah. Yes, I did. So you've got a set of pipes on you? Apparently, yeah. Go on. I mean, I'm absolutely not going to sing on the podcast. <laughs> um, but I... So I I went, like, full, full pelt. And I just remember, like, one of my friends, like, nearly fainting. Because They honestly had no idea that that was something that I did. So you were like, lads, I'm here, by the way. Oh, I was shaking. I was really scared. But I knew this there was it. some, like, weird Destiny thing going on. I don't know. Destiny, speaking of Destiny, child, Yeah. Um Yeah. And... Yeah, and I just went for it. And then it, I ended up playing uh, one of the shoop-shoop girls I played Chiffon. Mm.
0: But so yeah, that was the... And, and did that feel like the start of you going, okay...
1: Well, you know this what? Is... It changed my status at school. It completely changed my life. Okay. Which I think is an interesting thing, actually, bearing in mind what we were talking about and tapping into people's potential and, you know... You thrive at school when you're in a space of joy and safety. And that became my new status quo because of that show. Okay.
0: But also your so scene. I, Somebody has gone. Yeah. Like I know her.
1: But I also allowed myself to pursue what I knew I was good at. And I really, really went for it. And maybe if I'd done that earlier and not just gone and sat in the chorus. Mm. Maybe if I'd put myself whatever, out yeah. there. So maybe put yourself out there, guys. And yeah. uh, if you're struggling at school, mm-hmm. but only in things that you feel like brave enough to and safe enough to and all of that stuff. Yeah. Or maybe that was the perfect moment. And that's, it how, it all, moment, that's I, how it all... It was definitely
0: the perfect moment. That's how it all happens. If we
1: know anything. Also, there's someone called Danielle Laporte who uh, whose writings I really, really love. She has a, a system called called um where she talks about core desired feelings and her philosophy is that everything we desire absolutely everything there are no exceptions to this rule we desire because of what we will feel when we receive that thing or person or Mm. when we're in that place whatever it is And so it is the feeling that we're chasing, not the thing itself. And this is so powerful because this allows you to recognize what feelings you really enjoy the most. And there are an infinite number of ways for you to experience those feelings. Oh, wow. If there are things that you can do that you know make you feel, I mean, joyful is a very vague one, but like, confident. Yeah. What's something that makes you feel really you know, if you enjoy feeling confident, what makes you feel confident? So you can isolate things that are specific to you. So for me, something that makes me feel really confident is something like dancing by myself Mm -hmm. to my favourite song. Gives me a lot of that kind of energy. And if you can focus on, I don't know, um not I don't know, but cultivating more of that energy the theory is that like attracts like. You'll attract more. You become a vibration in. of the feeling of confidence, so you will inv- you will attract more experiences that give you that. Thing. Give you that feeling. We've gone really, really deep. I know, but I love that. I love the mix. It's, it's your it, sofa. It's good.
0: Yeah, it is. It's the deep sofa. Mm. I know. <laughs> thank you so fun. much, I'm th- thank and thank you. you for coming over and eating the stale vegan banana bread that I presented as a gift. If this has sparked some ideas about what you're thankful for this week, do drop them to me with the hashtag Thanks Trio or at Angela Scanlon on Twitter or Instagram. Now, we are going to be dropping new episodes every week and you can find them first and free for absolutely nothing, zero zilch, when you subscribe via Apple Podcasts, Spotify or on your smart speaker of choice. Oi, ellipsa, ellipsa that's for the Irish listeners there there's some lad on TikTok who does it and if you're loving the show please write us a review on Apple Podcasts it is really important and really nice (laughs) for me to read them so yeah, just like click the old five little stars say something, anything at all as your mother says if you've got nothing nice to say don't say it at all thank you again to the brilliant Sharon Clifford, to my producer Sarah Miles at Rethink Audio and to all of you for taking the time to listen. Mind yourselves, mind each other as Barney would say and thanks a million. Our friends at On Post sponsor this podcast and I am genuinely thankful that in loads of ways they are helping people stay connected at a time when we all have to be apart.